Hey everybody, it's the Board Game Mechanics, but you knew that, because we're not listening to like AM radio anymore. You probably saw our logo and touched it and played the episode. <laughs> so anyway, I'm Joel, and with me as always... Hey guys, what is going on? It is Jason. It's Jason. Uh, Jason, you sound like yourself a little bit, like almost there. Oh yeah, dude, I feel so much better. I still have this lingering cough, but yeah, my voice sounds a little more normal. Yeah, that's that's good to hear, man, because we were, I think, a little worried about that for a while there. So, <laughs> Yeah, I was getting close to death, but I feel better now. Yeah. Uh, so, Jason, um, we got another really nice review on Apple Podcasts. So uh, I'm going to read this. Go ahead and read this here. Uh, just it's kind of a fun review, and, and uh, I don't know. I, I think you deserve to have your review read if you're going to take the time to do it for us. Uh, Joel and Jason do a great job of discussing the ins and outs of board games over the sounds of royalty-free 80s music, <laughs> which Jason definitely wrote our bumpers. He did that in the 2010s, but that's fun. Yeah, uh, that's funny. They're basically a board game version of Hank and John Green. I already called dibs on being John Green. Um, genuinely, with good chemistry, the hosts do a great job of telling listeners what games are great to play and which games are worth passing on. Even even as a not very active gamer, they've inspired me to spend too much money on games just to admire the artwork. So um, if you're a board game company and you want us to move some products for you, there you go. There's our tutorial. Uh, and then the, they close this with saying, really great, honestly. So five stars. Um, we have a really nice rating on pod, on uh, Apple Podcasts, on Google Play. Um, everywhere we've got a really nice rating because you guys do a really good job of supporting us. We appreciate it. Um, if you haven't subscribed to us on YouTube or found us over on Facebook or left a review yet, man, that'd be awesome if you could do that for us. We don't ask for money at this point. We don't you know, um, like I know we like goofed a little bit about grandpa back, but we don't have like, we aren't shows for like some company yet. I, and I, I honestly think that we'll never be that way. Jason's got a pretty big disdain for some of the sellouts that are happening right now. So I don't think we'll ever be sponsored. We're just an amateur show and you guys spreading the word really does help us. So I appreciate it. Yeah. So, uh, Seth green and Keith green, who are those people? Uh, yeah. Keith green, he sang the Easter song. <laughs> Yeah. And Seth Green, I think, is on Family Guy, right? Yeah. Uh, Robot Chicken. Yeah. <laughs> no, but who are those green people that that guy uh, was referencing? This is this is a young listener, I think, because Hank and John Green are YouTubers and other things. But John Green, I think, wrote The Fault in, your st- the, Fault in, the, in the Stars. I, I don't know. Your wife definitely knows who John Green is, probably, um, being like kind of a literature person. But they're YouTubers, and they're pretty famous, honestly. Um, and I get it. Like They have good camaraderie, but they're very different personalities, I think is what they were trying to say. Like Hank and John Green, I didn't know they were brothers forever because I was like, hey, wait, they're really different people. Um, but it's a, it's a high compliment. You'll huh. have to go check them out. Yeah, so, I'll, I'll Google it later. Who's that Keith Green dude? Um, <laughs> I knew who he was. I just thought that'd be funny. Yeah, that is funny. <laughs> I, Keith Green's a very niche reference too. So, <laughs> yep. Uh, well, cool. Uh, and then the other one too is um, I don't know. Like I think I don't know. The board game thing is getting a little out of ha- out of control for me. Like when you add your add your local like supplier for board games, use board games as a Venmo friend. Um, it's like a wake up call kind of, <laughs> so I did that over the weekend. I added uh Jeremy shout out for you, but I added him as a friend. So it's easier to make payments to him. So like, <laughs> yeah, feel- that might be a sign you have a problem. Yeah. I feel like I've got a habit or something I need to need to kick. So I, I don't know. Actually, I played with Jeremy and a couple other guys and Jeremy's awesome. And if you don't know Jeremy, you could know him if you come over to the Facebook page and check us out or go to the Riveted. And then, like, here's the super hot take for you guys. If you get active on the Riveted, like, at all, we'll we'll invite you to the super secret, like, actual live real-time chat group. So, um, at any rate, um, if you're not over there on the Facebook group, man, you're missing out on a bunch. And I know some people don't have Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. Um, I'm starting to use my Twitter account, too. So, if you find me over there, I'm the Kratzer. Um, follow me. And I love it. So... It's just really cool connecting with all our fans because they're just super great people. Um, but I played uh, board games two weekends ago and just had such a good time. And it was one of those weird things, Jason, of like, I don't know. I just had a good time playing just to play. And I don't know if you experienced this at all or not, but I feel like when I play board games now, 
I mean, we're amateurs, but we're always thinking about this project and we're always trying to produce content. And so I think even when I play just for fun, I'm thinking like, what are the pros and cons of this game? Who's this game for? Like running it through my reviewer filters. And so I turned that off a couple weekends ago and just had a lot of fun. And to be honest, it kind of made me want to like quit reviewing games and just play them and have fun and just, I don't know. But like, I shook that off pretty quick. But I mean, like, it's just, I don't know. I don't think people quite get that too, that, I don't know, there's times where you and I, I'm positive, don't want to play a game, but it's in our review stacks, we go play it and stuff. So um, I'm not trying to complain. Um, We're having a lot of fun doing this and we love you guys as fans. Um, But yeah, it just really just does, it does help us when you guys get engaged with us and uh, leave reviews and stuff. So um we really appreciate people who have done that already. So anyway, I'm going to, I'm done doing my like monthly PBS begathon <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. I try to, every time I play a game that I don't really want to play, I then try to play one that I enjoy playing to kind of even it out. So I don't normally struggle with any of that too much. Yeah. I, I mean, I just, I don't know. It was fun to play games just for the pure joy of playing games. And like, I think that's the other thing too. When we get together and do our BGM cons, we just play games, man. I mean, like, and then we end up talking about it, but that's just like, I think this is stuff people really like too, is that pure, just whatever, play games kind of stuff. So anyway, whatever. Um, is this zany enough up top here? I don't know. I feel like it's been kind of beggy, not really zany, but like. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> whatever. Uh, beggy banter. It's going to say that in the show notes. So. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, hey, thanks again for that review, uh, the reviewer who left that. And I guess we're today going to finish up our, our top games of 2018, our, um, I guess, postmortem maybe, or like what we think of them here about a year later. Uh, maybe talk a little bit about our top 2019 games when we're going to do that, and then maybe our top 100. Give a little sneak peek on that maybe. Jason, I'm, I'm springing that one on you, but I think you can talk about it. Jason, you got some news. We've got some games we played, and we'll get right to it now. All right, so the first thing that I want to talk about in news is an upcoming Alexander Feaster game. Yay. And the game is called Maracaibo, I think. Right. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's really not much on it. There's a Board Game Geek page and a few pictures. But what this game is, of course, it's set in the 17th century because that's when we had to set games. And the players are trying to increase influence in three nations through four rounds of play, and it takes 40 minutes per player, which is insane. That is a ton of time per player. Yeah. And uh, you're sailing around on a round course through the Caribbean. You have some tiles where you're trying to perform various actions to deliver goods. Uh, One special feature is an implemented quest mode where you can play more in various tiles. And in normal Alexander Feaster fashion, you're doing all this through interesting card play. So I'm assuming it's like Mombasa and Blackout Hong Kong but I don't know much about it. So if you're interested in Feaster, stay tuned. More on this sometime. Yeah, I, I saw this one was on the hotness this week, um, and I kind of looked at it a little bit, and I was like, oh, okay, one of those maps kind of things. Old Feaster, he got to make the game he wanted to make with Blackout Hong Kong. Now he's got to go back to the bread and butter, like make a, <laughs> make a trading on – and I was like, the Mediterranean. Oh, oh, the Caribbean, a little twist there, but yeah. Uh, kind, of, yes. kind of the same. Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, it's – it's uh, yeah, deliver goods on ships. But he'll do a good job with it. I think this is probably going to be a good game if I had to guess, for sure. Yeah, I, I was interested in it until I saw it was 40 minutes per player. That's insane. I don't know if I'm that interested in it now. That's funny you mentioned that because we're going to talk about games played here soon. And just remember that. I know. I know. I understand. I get that. But yeah, it has to be something that I truly enjoy. You know where I'm going already. You got super defensive. That's fun. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. So uh, the next thing that I want to talk about in news is a game that's on Kickstarter right now. And it's called Gangsta. Yeah. And it's by, by Schmetta Games. And it's $19, it has 37 days to go, and what this game is, it looks like it's a take that game, kind of, you have cards, you're trying to recruit these gangsters to your side, and then you're trying to steal money from other players, and you want to end the game with the most money. I think that's all the game is, so I could be missing something, so if you want to know more, go check it out on the Kickstarter page. But yeah, I thought it was interesting that the game's called Gangsta, so I needed to talk about it, so... If you're interested, go check that out. Yeah, I think we're going to be ramping up Kickstarter here. So this will be the last time you get to hear about um, something as as wackadoo <laughs> as Gangsta by Shemetta Games. Because really, I think Kickstarter is like ramping up big time right now. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Enjoy that Shemetta Games. 
<laughs> and on a more serious note in news, um, Rick Loomis from Flying Buffalo Games, which I don't know a ton about, but you know a little more. Yeah. He passed away either the day before we recorded this or a couple days before, which is sad. The industry is saying how cool of a dude he is, and a lot of people are sad by that because he's been in the industry for a long time. So that's just a little somber news for everybody. Yeah, he's – um. I- it's hard to describe what I think his role was in this. I think he almost was like the Woody Gunther, Gunthery of, or whatever his name is, of like, of, of board games. Like, I don't think people loved Woody Gunthery that much, but I think that his music influenced a ton of people and he like blazed a path. You know what I mean? And so I think Rick Loomis too was like a trailblazer kind of. Um, his games are really old and he was making games like Nuclear War, which, I mean, if you get a copy of Nuclear War brand new right now, it's going to be identical to the one that came out in 1970. I mean, it just, it is. Um, but, but it's, I mean, they were making, they were making this game clear back forever ago and it was their kind of main product. They were doing some, I think, role playing stuff and they actually, I interviewed him at Origins a couple of years ago. So if you really want to hear more about Rick Loomis and him on, uh, on a podcast, we did get some footage of him, uh, or audio of him a couple of years ago at Origins and he was just the funniest guy. Like, I, I just really enjoyed him. Um, and like funny in a way, like he knew he was kind of funny, I think, but I think that he just like, he was so impassioned about what he was impassioned about. Like he loved his nuclear war game and that's what he was well known for. And it's a game that his big thing that he would always talk about whenever he talked about it was either one player can win or no players can win. Um, because like if nuclear war breaks out, then everybody loses. And it was kind of like, you know, he made this game in the height of like the cold war kind of where nuclear war was a scary thing. And I think it was a way for us to all, Maybe be a little aware. So it was like CO2 before CO2. It was, you know, this, this social game way back, way back, you know? So, um, they, they never tried to become anything they weren't too. Um, Flying Buffalo Games has a very distinct look and it's that like kind of cardboard that we kind of make fun of that's like cereal box cardboard and it's not miniatures. It's not anything but just cardboard in, in a box. And it reminds me of, like uh, an old old copy of BattleTech or something from um, like you know uh, I forget YSR or something I forget what the name of the company is but but uh, it's just one of those old fashioned games um, just a lot of respect for it and I don't think I'm gonna find shelf space for Nuclear War but Nuclear War but I, we lost a good guy and I think a lot of people wouldn't be doing what they're doing right now without people like Rick Loomis blazing a path for independent game designers. So, um, I don't know. I, I mean, I wish I would have gotten to spend more time with him, and maybe we need to think about that. Maybe we need to find ways to, you know, connect with some of these founding people a little more closely. You know, some of these artists and some of these content creators from Watsi way back and, and Avalon Hill and stuff are getting older now. So, um, yeah, uh, we, we should just appreciate them while they're around. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's hard to just – hang out with some of those people because they're from everywhere but if you get a chance to at least chat with some of them you probably should yeah and he would talk to anybody i mean like he would just talk to anybody um and everybody knew who he was and like you talk about flying buffalo games with anybody and they're like oh yeah they're the guys with that like crazy like uh looks like a um easy rider like poster for the cover of the game and like a very distinct distinct uh art style and i remember when i interviewed him he was so excited about these pins they had at the show that year and (laughs) yeah i remember that and (laughs) i mean he he was super excited about it but that's what people i mean he was a little ahead of the game people are pin pin crazy now like look at some of these guys vests and stuff they walk around with so he knew where it was going back then even so um really cool guy though always gave us time and when we were nobody too so like I, I think I think even when I was absolutely nobody before I started working with you, Jason, like he was somebody that would talk to me and like give me a time of day. So um, just a kind guy. And I think we lost a good human being, um, a, a decent board game person, but a really good human being, really. So anyway, uh, that's enough of a eulogy for Rick Loomis, a guy that I really talked to less time than I just talked about him. So <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're going to miss him. Yeah. And that's all the news I have. So we can move on to some more upbeat fun things. All right, so the first game I want to talk about is from the mysterious Prospero Hall. Yeah, who is that dude? Yeah, I don't know who is that dude. And it's from Big G Creative, which is, uh, I think, the Target exclusive brand that he works for. But the game is called Trapper Keeper. Yeah. So I played this game with my buddy Brandon and his family. And essentially what this game is, is 
the lightest set collection game I've ever played in my entire life. Yeah? Yeah, so it's fun, but it's light. So what you're doing is you're flipping over this card. It's going to give you a pattern on these um, these lockers. And you're allowed to draft three cards either from a column or a row. And there are three columns. So you can either always take three cards from one of the columns or one of the rows. Or you can take the three cards or whatever the card says on this belt, the um, layout card. So you have three different options of cards you can take. You're trying to collect these different kinds of doodles to score points. Whoever has the most of each doodle scores points. You're trying to get signatures to go with field trips and report cards. You're trying to have the most homework done because you get the most points if you do that. And you're trying to get different unique sets of notes from friends. You're doing this over six rounds. You're drafting three cards each time. So you're doing getting a total of 18 cards. And then whoever has the most points is the winner. It takes about 32 seconds per player. And the whole game is over in less than 20 minutes, including scoring. So if you like light, super, super light set collection games, go check out the Trapper Keeper game. And stay tuned to our YouTube page because, well, go look at our YouTube page because there's a review up for that now. Hey, Jason. Sound, yeah. The way you describe that, it sounds like this game just fired Tiny Towns. <laughs> I just... Really? No. I mean, like, the <laughs> the grid and patterns thing is all oh, I right, yeah, yeah, in yeah. common. Yeah. No, I... It, it just fired my adorable game that looks like it's from the 80s. <laughs> no, it's this is actually a really fun game, though. It's just don't expect much of a game out of it. But, I mean, it's, it's entertaining and it's nostalgic. So everybody had a Trapper Keeper that's our age or older, and they all know what that is. So it's kind of like you're going back to the a- 90s. Absolutely. And- I remember when I got my Trapper. It was for Christmas I got a Trapper. And I got one of those <laughs> pins that clicks, like, four different colors at the same time. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Man, I Those loved that. That was a good Christmas gift from my Aunt Harmony. <laughs> Aunt Harmony, giving me a shout out. She listens to every episode. She and she leaves tons of reviews for us. So, um, like under different accounts, she just signs up for different accounts all day. Um, <laughs> so no, that's cool. I I'm glad it's decent. I think I don't know, man. My wife is a sucker for these kinds of games, so I may end up with the My Little Pony one at my house. So I think she would like it. It's it's fun, and it, if she doesn't, it's only fifteen minutes. So yeah, you know what, man, Prospero Hall is killing it. Like really, they are. Like I don't know. I I don't know about like some of the older stuff. Like the wizard knows everything. I don't remember what the name of that game was, but um, some some of the stuff they're doing is just great, really. And I mean, like this one sounds like it's right in that that pattern. Horrified was really good too, and I was surprised by how good that one is too. So good job, Prospero yeah. Hall. We love you. Um, I agree. Whoever you are, yeah. And if you, if you, uh, if you're, we'll just say it this way: um, Prospero Hall. If you're not safe, if you need help, send us review copies of some games with like a little, like maybe tattered corner on it, so that way we know that you need to send, you need some help sent to you. So <laughs> that's funny. Um, all right, uh, Jason. I played. I want to. Mm, mm, uh, Hey, Jason, um, did you check your oven to see if it's still on or not? Maybe you should go do that right now for like the next couple <laughs> of minutes. All right, I'll go do that. I'm just kidding you, bud. I think your oven's off. Abomination um, and the Air of Frankenstein or whatever it's called. Um, I got a chance to play this, and I didn't go in with it with the right expectation is what I think I'm going to chalk this up to. Um, I, I kept trying to figure out why I didn't enjoy it. And I was like, is it the game? Is it the player's? Is it the player count? And I think I'm chalking it up to a couple things. One, I went into this expecting like really truly a Euro game because it seems like a worker placement Euro game. Uh, Yeah, it's like a combination. But it's got a ton of like Arkham Horror card event driven kind of like card play kind of things in it too. So it reminds me of like maybe, I don't know, take a pretty dry, pretty dry construction type Euro game with worker placement. And then, like, slap, like, Eldritch Horror over the top of it with, like, all these cards you're collecting and to have events trigger and, like, try and make it narrative because it has, like, some kind of narrative passages you read in the rule book. Um, and, I mean, like, looking back on it, I think it's fine. It's a perfectly okay game, but I wouldn't play it at four players probably. And I wouldn't – I don't think anyone of the individual players that I played with necessarily was bad to play with. Um, but – it just took a long time, and we got a late night start. So this is one of my gripes, and this dude's not going to listen to my podcast. So I'm just going to ball you out, Travis. Um, Travis showed up a half hour late, and then he 
Then he's at my house a half hour late. Yeah, I'm talking to you, Travis. And then he goes out <laughs> in the yard and talks to my neighbor for 10 minutes. And I finally yelled out at him, dude, we're starting the game in a minute and you're going to have to watch us play. And like, I went back in and he didn't even come in right away. Like, we probably had to wait another two, three minutes. So, yeah. So we got started really late. Travis. Sounds like Travis needs to be in a blog. Travis does need to be in the blog. <laughs> Travis is a real written review kind of guy. Um, So Travis shows up finally, and we get started about half an hour later than I wanted to start this game. And this game, man, I'm telling you, between rules explanations and playing it, it took like three and a half hours. And it says one to two on the box. Who are they kidding? Who's playing this game in an hour? No one is the answer. So um, it's a a three-hour game for sure. (laughs) Um, But if you keep in mind, if you go into it thinking this is probably a pretty Ameritrashy game if you're a Eurogamer, and think of it as it's going to be a Euro trash or a Euro trash. It is Euro trash. But if you think of it as being an Ameritrash game going into it with a lot of cards and like fiddliness and weird, messy events that happen, then you'll probably be pretty happy about it as a good Ameritrash game. But if you're expecting it to be a Euro game, you're going to be like, quit bleeding all this weird, fiddly card play and messiness into my clean game, you know? So I think that's kind of where it comes down to. I, I want to play this one at least once more before it definitely hits the trade block. I know I've got a dear, dear co-host of a podcast that's a high high priority uh, trader. If he doesn't land a copy some other way, um, that would love to trade for this copy of Abomination probably, but we'll see what happens there. So Abomination, Eric Frankenstein. Yeah, I, w- I knew it was long. But I, yeah, I would have never gone into this with four players. I would have probably maxed this one out at three. Yeah, same. This one in Black Angel, like both those games, I'm hesitant to do my review on them yet because I played them at four and I didn't get a chance to play. I want to play Black Angel at two and three before I do a final review of it because I think it's that good of a game. It deserves a really like a lot of different player counts kind of like review, um, not just me playing it with four players three times and saying, ah, it's too long, you know, so um and too much downtime is really what that one suffered from, too. But Abomination, I'm not talking about it, Jason. Uh, you can defend it if you want, or you can move on and talk about your game and be happy. Yeah, I'll just move on. I don't I don't, I don't, don't care about defending it as much as I just want to play it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not bad. It's just longer than I thought it would be. Yeah, true. All right, so I actually got to play one of my favorite games of all time uh, last night, and it's called Coimbra. Ooh, foreshadowing one of your favorites. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't done my list, so who knows where it's going to be now. But um, so I played this just me and Katie, two player game. This game is amazing at two. It, I think we played the whole game in like 35 minutes. It was awesome. And we've talked about Coinbra. What this is, it's a dice drafting game. And you're using the dice to go to these certain locations to buy cards. And then you're using the dice to collect income on these certain colored tracks that are going to let you move around this board, get points, collect money, and get military. You're just trying to do that more efficiently than everybody else to score points. And that's Coimbra. I love this game. I lost, of course, but I still had a good time. I didn't lose as much as I usually do. I only lost by like 20, so that's a win (laughs) for me. So Coimbra, I love it. She's good at those dice drafting games, man. I mean, like, she's just tough. Like this and um, Grand Austria. Like, forget it. Oh, no. I, I have Grand Austria Hotel recorded on Facebook where I won. Yeah. For posterity. So it does happen. Next time I want to win a game, I'm just going to make her to play it live on Facebook. I'm pretty sure, though, if you look closely at that video, it's like um, Jason playing that game across from like uh, um, Fender Jazz Bass wearing a wig and a Katie mask that he printed on an inkjet printer. <laughs> so. <laughs> so I have no competition. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> All right, Katie, your move. I think I'm going to go here. Yeah, you're right. That's the only way I can win. <laughs> She's really good at that game. I just know that. Um, I've only played oh, yeah. with her once, and she lapped us. I mean, that didn't feel good. <laughs> no, it doesn't feel good. But yeah, we didn't play I, Grand Austria, but she does love that game. I think I learned that the same day I learned Lorenzo Il Magnifico. And like, I think I liked that game better than Lorenzo when I first played it. But now I love Lorenzo so much more. And I think I badmouthed that game on this show at one point. It's actually really good. And I really like it. Yeah, you did. It looks terrible, but it's a good game. It's a very good game. Yeah, it does. I don't care what they look like, of course, but it is a good game. Yeah. Uh, the app is awesome, too. If you're on Steam, there's a Steam app, and I actually have a Let's Play of that one up. Um, but the app's really great, too. Um, good way to figure out the game's for you. Um, but yeah, Coimbra, 
Coimbra, Coimbra, however you want to say it. Um, it was your number one game last year, man. So I don't. I'm curious it where it's going to end up at. I don't know. It's still it's still a top ten for sure, but it might still be number one. I don't know. Yeah, we might talk about this one later. Um, so I'm going to just shut up and not talk about it anymore. Um, and talk about Lords of Vegas and how I played it wrong and it was the worst game I've ever played in my life. And then, hey, remember Jeremy, my new, like, I guess, man crash or whatever that I talk about all the time? He, <laughs> yeah. like, he in that secret message group I was talking about was like, no, you're playing it wrong. It's backwards. You play it this way. So, like, the rules read really poorly. And I'll actually put a picture of the rules up sometime. Um, if people comment on this and want to see the picture, I'll, I'll put a picture up of the rules. It says something about um, people who own pl- plots of land will will pay that player one one dollar. So it's like that's how it's worded, and it's worded in a way where it sounds like you're paying the active player a buck if you own lots of land. Like, I don't know why you would have to do that, but it sounds like that, when really what the rule means is you get from the bank a dollar if you own a lot of land. So it goes from being like a terrible and like not catch-up mechanism to a really good catch-up mechanism. So I was going to say, they did this on um, tabletop, and it went over pretty awesome. I think it looks cool. It's a good game, and I played it later. Like So I played it. Like, we reset and played that night, and we couldn't play with four people that were there because two of them were like, I'm going home. So I played it with two, and then I played it again with my family, and I played it twice in a weekend. So that's the kind of game it is. It's that good. It's just nice. a lot of fun. It's super luck-based. I mean, it's 100% just silly luck-based game. So this is going to be the – this game's going to be for people who like games like Machi Koro or like uh, – Valeria Card Kingdoms, where the die are going to just give or, or take away from you. And if you're okay with that, that's it's a great game for that. It's just a fun time. And that said, you can there are ways that you can make the die work more favorably for you. So you can pay money to re-roll dies, re-roll die. So, um, so if you have a one, for example, on one of your casinos, that's not going to help you much. It's not going to pay well. It's not going to make you the casino boss, but you can pay a buck per pip to re-roll that die. So then you re-roll it for a buck and let's say you get a five. Well, then all of a sudden you're getting five bucks for rent whenever that casino comes up instead of a dollar. And just, I don't know, it's just an interesting way you can invest in stuff. And, and it's basically, I mean, I didn't really describe the game at all, but you're basically drawing these cards and then putting down a claim to a like plot of land on a grid. And then later you can build casinos on there for a certain amount of money and put a die inside there. Um, and then randomly re-roll that die to make the die better or try and get like, uh, you can remodel your casinos to make them like match better um, but then they pay out based on those cards you draw too so it's super simple you draw a card you put down a plot uh, claim for a land and then you look at the color of the casinos those casinos get paid out and then you're allowed to do some actions where you can either go gamble in someone else's casino which is kind of fun or you can build a casino of that color um, or you can try and like reorganize or whatever your casino so it's actually it's really super light but it's a lot of fun and really really luck based lords of vegas have you had this game for a long time or did you just get it no, I got it in trade. So this is where I uh, I just got it pretty recently, actually. Um, and it's kind of out of print. So that's I got kind of lucky, I guess, because yeah. um, it's Mayfair. And I mean, I'm not sure if it's really going to get a big print again. I don't know. I would hope. I would hope Asmodee would be smart enough to print this one again. But um, hard saying. They build aluminum grates for mall shops that, <laughs> so they don't get – that's a that's an inside joke. If you will listen to a couple episodes ago, you'll figure that one out. But And they make cosmetics cases. And German lingerie. Yeah, uh, say, and lingerie. Don't forget the lingerie. <laughs> German at that. But uh, but uh, I would hope they reprint it. But I actually traded um, – I did those bent, like board game bento boxes or board game like booster packs or whatever they're called at Gen Con. And I got two copies of Amon Ray. So I traded one of my new and new and shrink copies of Amon Ray for this. And the person was probably happy to get rid of their copy because they played it out. And, and I was happy to get this instead of having a second copy of Amon Ray. And actually, um, speaking of Amon Ray, I think I'm still going to trade the other copy because it doesn't look that great. So I might be wrong. Let us know in the comments. Yeah, I know nothing about that game. But it's it's um, Kinesia, right? Dr. Kinesia. So uh, yeah. you know it has math in it. <laughs> Yeah, the the end game scoring is longer than the game. Yeah, and uses a, a multiple um, uses a multiple variable equation <laughs> that uh, series of equations that you have to use elimination <laughs> method on to try and figure out your score. Um, yeah, I'm gonna shut up now because we got like at least ten more games to talk about. So I guess we should do that. So last week we started revisiting our top ten games of 2018, and we did number ten, numbers ten through six. And I think there was there was some movement. Some of these games probably shouldn't have ever been in that top ten in the first place. Yep. So today we're doing one through or five through one, 
So let's see if any of these should still be there or if they're booted out. Mm. That's if we if we boot out our top fives, that uh, that feels bad. Yeah, it does feel bad. But who knows? We'll see. We'll see what happens. All right, so I'll get started with my number five. And my number five game was Rise to Nobility. Yeah. I mean, I, I put on the outline, this is still a good game, but I haven't played it since making this list. So it probably wouldn't be a top 10 game of 2018 for me since I haven't played it and don't really want to play it. I mean, I kind of do, but not really. Yeah. But and, and I also think that the game is a little long for what it is. So I could go play another game like this probably in half the time and still get kind of the same feeling that this game gives me. So good game, but I may remove this one from the top 10. This this one to me, Jason, I have this one as well, and I liked it, and I don't think I put it in my top 10, but I might have. I, I don't know. We'll see here in a couple numbers. I don't know. If I put it in my top two, boy, I'm really sad, but I don't think I did. Um, This one's good, but here's the thing about it to me. If it would have come out in 2011 or 12, it would have been amazing because it would have been ahead of its time and like there wouldn't be other games that I would be like, I'd just rather play this one instead. Um, this one doesn't do anything with the dice like placement thing that other games don't do better to me. And it does fine with it. The only things that it does that are a little different are that it does that like powers of your placement, like how there's like three different spaces you can go in each, each workshop. I'm, oh, I think, yeah. I, think yeah. I remember that. But if you can get the third spot... Like, it's really powerful. You get a ton of stuff, and that's really nice. Um, and so you're trying to build up these workshops at the same time. And then and then the other piece, too, um, this is a bad part, but it feels like that little lower right-hand part of the board is totally tacked on. And I've played it where people have totally ignored that and been fine and not had to worry about it. So I don't really worry about it much. And until I see somebody worry about that, like, little just buy points, basically, for your die area on the bottom right hand of the board, I'm not going to worry about it myself and my strategies. So Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I ever used it either. It's just there. Yeah, it is. And it feels like we need to put something in this corner of the board. Oh, let's do this, I guess. I don't know. And it doesn't really synergize (laughs) with anything in the game. And that's kind of my biggest complaint with it is it just feels super tacked on. Um, But again, this one, I I mean, like, um, let's just do a quick game here, Jason. Tell me if you'd rather play this game or Rise to Nobility and like by what factor. Uh, Voyages Marco Polo. Oh, yeah. Voyages all day for like 100 times more. Right. And Rajas of the Ganges. Yeah, I definitely want to play that more, too. Like maybe 10 times, 20 times, you know? And, yeah, I it's, mean, not, it's not 100 times, but it's definitely more. Right. And Architects Inc. even is another one that's like a super light version of this, or if not of this, of like that dice kind of placement. Um, I mean, like there's just a lot of dice placement, worker placement type games that I would just rather play. And so nothing against this game. It's probably a really good game still for a lot of people. And if you don't have those other games or haven't played them and you kickstarted this one, then be happy and play your copy of Rise to Nobility. It's just funny that it has nobles in it and Jason's kind of down on it. Well, and in my defense, I don't have this game, so maybe if I had it laying around since uh, I've been going since I've been going back and playing a bunch of my old games, I probably would have played it since then. But my buddy that always has the new hotness is the one that I played this with. Yeah. And I just haven't played it since. So if it was in my collection, I would probably still play it. I, I think my thing on it is it sets on the bo- it's in the very bottom of my closet of games. So my closet games are like games I don't put on display as much. They're still good games. Um, but it's on the bottom shelf at the very bottom because I always look at this game and go, I don't remember the rules in this one as clearly as I do on Voyages or Rajas, both the games I mentioned, and I would just as well play those. And they just feel the same-ish to me. So, I mean, I don't know. They're not the same games, Rajas especially, but like just dice placement, I don't know. It's it's the third best. It's the second tier in it. And, it's fine, but it's not something that is elite to me. And I think, I think I don't know, placing it at your number five for 2018 kind of puts it almost in that elite tier. So, I don't know. Basically, based on the other games you're on your list, at least. Um, moving on. Here's a land air and sea. This is my number five. I, I think it's rock solid right there still at number five um, or so. I The more I play this game, the more I want to play it. I haven't. I think I've played this list in a handful of times because it's kind of an event to play. It's pretty big. It's a 4X game. The only thing is I've done a change in this game to make it better for me. I've homebrewed a rule because someone broke this game. Um, and I think I've read about people breaking it fairly frequently. Maybe not breaking it, but with inexperienced players, you can definitely screw them by doing this. Um, if you flip all the tiles, there's one of the, one of the in-game conditions is getting all the tiles explored. And so... 
um, people can race to do that really quick and you don't realize they're doing it. And so inexperienced players don't know to stop that. And so a more experienced player can just smoke somebody by doing the exploration X as a way that they're going to finish the game and just do it really fast. Um, and then this game too, like, it's like, it's like a four X game. It reminds me of like eclipse, but in a medieval way or, or something like that, just your typical four X kind of thing, but it has a cooler tech tree in it. That's less fiddly. And, um, it's just like any of those though, where it doesn't really encourage combat as much as you might think it's certainly a possibility but if you don't play with like war gamers and people who are like yeah combat's going to be like my thing it's usually pretty peaceful like the only time people really do combat is if it's like i'm so far behind the only chance i've got is to get a little lucky with this game this this fighting and this person's so far ahead that we've got to try and slow them down so other than that it does feel like a kind of true civ kind of thing um really like it and gonna keep keep it uh keep it around for sure yeah, this is one I haven't played, and I probably wouldn't. I mean, it does look cool on the table, so I'm glad you still dig it, though. You'd like it more than I think you think you would, but I don't know that. I think you'd probably play it and be like, yeah, that was good, but we just spent this time doing that when we could have played two other games that I really love, and that's what I think we're seeing with a lot of these games. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, so my number four game of 2018 is Mask of the Red Death. Man, you love this one. Oh, I still do, and I yeah, I still like this game. I probably played it five or six times since I've made this. And I don't think it would be as high as number four because it's essentially just a deduction game with a, you know, a creepy macabre theme, but it would definitely still be in my top 10. It would probably be in between 10 and six somewhere because hmm. I, I really enjoy it. It's fun. It's easy to play. It's easy to teach. And I mean, you can get into the game a little bit and pretend like you are your character and you're screwing with other people. So yeah, my number four is Mask of the Red Death still a top 10 game for me. Haven't played it yet. I know you played a ton and you've brought it to different meetups for us to play. Um, I just, I don't know. I just, uh, I, don't, I don't know. It, uh, it, it's a light, it's a light deduction game with a cool theme. So yeah, go into it expecting that and you'll have a good time. Yeah. So expect it to basically be clue, but cooler. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's a clue style, but it's cooler. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. All right. Well, that's, that's awesome. I, uh, it's hanging on though. I don't know. This is interesting. This game and, and Godfather are the two games that I'm like, man, Jason champions those hard for them not being in his Ballywick at all it's to the point where I bought Godfather blindly and Dude, I, I, I want to play it so bad. Well, I really so want to play it, man. I haven't had a chance to play it yet and I really want to play it. It's so good. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the funny thing too is like we play enough different games my brother won't play games with me because he's like, I want to play the same game a few times. And he's like, you always make me play something different. I'm like, yeah, because I've got so much stuff I have to play. Like, I just recently sat down to play a game that was on my shame shelf. And I was like, oh, yeah, I did play this one. And so, like, sometimes you play a game and don't remember, at least for me. I don't know. Um, anyway, moving on. Number four for me, Jason, is Empires of the Void 2. This one's really good still, um, but I haven't had a chance to play it because it's just hard to get to the table. Um, I'm not sure this will be a top 10. Um, and this one's starting to pick up a little steam. Like, I put this one up for trade just because I feel like the value is pretty high on it for me. And I'm not playing it. I just don't have opportunities to play it. And there's other games in space and things like that that I'd rather play. Um, I remember it just kind of has like a, it's like a kind of simple game, but with a lot of extra rules where you're basically picking one of these actions and then doing something based on it. And with that whole follower thing, um, really beautiful components, beautiful artwork, like the be- the board's the most beautiful space board I think I've ever seen. Um, I don't know. I think this one wouldn't probably be as high as number four, but I'm not sure it would be off the top 10 um, because it is a good game. But like sometimes you have to enjoy a game and say it is a good game, even if it doesn't mean you're going to play it all the time. Like you can respect it still. And I think that might be in this category for me. Also, I'm not sure what else would knock it off the list. All right. So my number three is a game called Symphony Number 9. And this is pretty high for this game. I'll, I'll give it that. But I still enjoy playing it. I've played it maybe three times since I made this list and I don't play it as much as I would like because my game group doesn't like it. So everybody I've played it with doesn't seem to like it. So I'm the only one who likes it, which makes it hard to play. And I think also what made this game so high for me was that it's super hard to come by in America. So it's kind of that missing out type thing where we need to, um, you know, I just feel like I have something that nobody else has. 
Yeah, that's uh, for sure. Like, I definitely get that way too. Like, when I have a grill game or a game that I think people are like, oh, wow, how do you have that? Or it's out of print. It makes me like it more than other people would. So, I don't know. I just, uh, I, I get what you're saying there. I know you wanted me to play this one pretty badly at one point. It just looks so bad, bud. Like, it just looks like boxes on a piece of cardboard. I don't know. And cubes. It's a good auction game if you like auction games. So, it's strictly auction. So you just need to go in expecting that, and you may dig it. Yeah, um, that's cool, man. I don't think there's, uh, I don't know, I don't think there's a problem with it for sure. I mean, like, I don't have anything against it. It's just, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's interesting because you're the only person that knows played it, and now you're kind of cooling on it already. So I wonder what if that'll ever get wide distribution in the states. I kind of doubt it, to be honest. Yeah, probably not. All right, number three, Jason, for me was Feudum. Um, this game is just a big, big, heavy game and it's a lot of fun, but it's almost like you have to teach people six different little board games that interact with each other. And they're all those different little guilds and how they all operate. So there's these six little different little, almost not quite many games, but then they interact with each other. So it's like, this one does this at its root, but then if you do this thing, it pushes into this other one and supplies it. Or if you do this other one, it makes this one trigger and fire. And if you don't do that, sometimes these ones next to it become useless. And so it's like, it's hard to get people to understand that in some ways. The other thing too is people play this game kind of selfishly sometimes. And so like they eat up all the goods and then they don't ever go to the neighboring guild to try and like get the other guilds to work well. And even though that's going to get them a, a ton of like benefits sometimes, um, they don't, they don't figure out how to do that. So you need people who are good at this game kind of to like get it to work for them and you like symbiotically almost with those guilds. But then also like, it's just, it takes a long time to describe and it's a fairly long game. So this one doesn't hit the table near as much as I want. And like, this is one that you would love Jason, but we've never thought to get this one out at a board game meetup because it's just going to take a long time to like get all the little fiddly rules figured out. Um, and, and play it. And that said, it feels a little bit like a Vidal Lacerda game with you having that little deck of cards and you only get to choose like one of six actions, but then it can be any of these things, you know? So, um, good game overall for sure. Um, but I don't know that it would be number three. Yeah, this is definitely one I want to play. I keep wanting to buy it. Like my local game shop always has a copy. And I'm like, man, I should just pick this up. But Such then, good sales sometimes too. Yeah, and then like the problem is the same thing. Like I'm never going to get it out to play because one, I have to learn it. Two, I have to teach other people how to play it. Right. And sometimes that's a pain in the butt. So it's just as much as I want to play it, I think it's one that I'll probably never get to play. Like I'm figuring out these heavy games that I love are good games, but you don't need to own a hundred of them. Like you can own 15 of them or 10 of them even, and just know that you're not going to get to play them enough that it's okay. You know what I mean? And then like having a bunch of family weight games and stuff. I don't know. I just, I guess probably the, the takeaways I own too many games right now and I've already been weeding the collection out, but, um, yeah. All right. Well, that's cool, Jason. Um, I, I think the one other thing too, to mention about it is the rules explanation video that, Mark Swanson's company, I forget what the name of the company is, put out um, Odd Oddbird, I think is the name of the company. Yeah, Oddbird. Um, it's really good. And the guy's got this real thick British accent and it's like the animation and everything in the board in the board game. It's all yeah. just like kind of like a little nod to Monty Python. It is really good. Like it's one of the best videos that I've seen that teaches you how to play a game. Yeah, for sure. Super high production value. And I, I did get this scoop at Gen Con. The next game is well on its way, being play tested and getting ready to go out. So um, I think maybe we might get Mark on the show at some point, too, it sounded like. So that'd be kind of cool. I wonder if it's going to be a big, beefy Euro like that. Uh, it's a trick-taking game played with a bicycle deck of 52 cards. So <laughs> The complete opposite <laughs> end of the spectrum. You just you make two stacks of cards and you blindly flip one over. Whoever has the higher card wins. And if you tie, you stack three cards down and then flip another card. So it's, wait a minute, that sounds familiar. It's called Mark Swanson's <laughs> Grandpa Beck's Good Time Card Game for the Win. I Grandpa Beck, I love you by the way. Like by all accounts, people came to your defense like big time. They were like, "Hey, I didn't know where you're going with that." I think it sounds like you like the company and that you think they're all right, but I want to make sure that you do feel that way because they're awesome. And I'm not even kidding. I had like messages to my personal Facebook account that said that. So <laughs> like that's hilarious. People defended you, Grandpa Beck. People love you. And I, I don't like I think your games are probably great for what they are. It's just just teasing you, just joshing you, Grandpa Beck. <laughs> 
All right, so uh, my number two game of 2018 was a game from Keymaster, the first one from Keymaster that I ever played, and it's called Caper. And yeah, this is still number two. This is still my second favorite game of 2018. Um, I know it's a reprint, so I don't know if that technically takes it out of contention, but I don't care. Uh, the production's incredible. This is a two-player game where it's a drafting game. So you're trying to hire these thieves to go to these locations to steal things for you. And then you have to equip the thieves with different types of equipment that's going to help them steal stuff better than the player who's also at the same location. So you want to just be a better thief than them. You're trying to be the person that gets the most points at the end of the game, and then you're the winner. Uh, I love this game. I Every time I can play it, it's enjoyable. So my number two still is Caper. Yeah, uh, I haven't played this one, but the art is cool on it. And I will say this. I think I played my first... Okay, wait, time out. Pause it. Keymaster, but I'm going to throw a little shade here, okay? Um, Parks, I tracked the boat. The boat arrived in like Miami or someplace like a month ago. Where's my copy of Parks at? That's all. <laughs> they probably Move. sent it to me with the nice squeaky playmat. Yeah, screw you, Jason. Uh <laughs> That one hurts a little. That one hurts a little, Jason. Um, <laughs> no, I. Uh, that's the only only thing I have to, bad to say about them is that I want my copy of Parks. It looks so good, and I want it to get here quick. Um, but I would say this. Um, that game looks cool. You've talked about it a ton. And I did play my first Keymaster game, and it was actually pretty good, too. I played... What did I play, Jason? Campy uh, Creatures. Camp, campy Creatures, yeah. I, I, It's not awesome. It's not terrible. It's like a good, solid, medium, yeah. like, okay it's, game. It's it's light. It's a, a good time to just hang out and play with friends. It's cool how all those cards interact with each other, and the art's really great on it, too. But I don't, if that was a 2018 game, I'm not sure of bumping these games off the list. But anyway, uh, my number two, Jason... Oh, boy. Uh, Coimbra. Uh, I like this game quite a bit, actually. And the only criticism I have of it is every time I played it at two, which I agree is a really great player count, I always leave that going, man, that really was, like, winding up hard, and then it just stopped. And that, like, feels a little weird to me sometimes. Um, I want there to be an expansion where we get, like, to do more things and, like, feel more player benefits, even. Because it's such a good feeling. And it's cool. My favorite thing about this game still, even even today, is the fact that at the beginning of the game, you are obsessed about the pips on your die. You're like, I've got to get the right pips on my die in order to do what I want to do. And then by the end of the game, you don't care what those pips are. You just want certain colors. You're like, I've got to get an orange die or whatever, you know, to just get your cards to fire the right way. And I think that's really cool, that shift that happens over the game. So um, at least every time I've played it and I, the way I've played it. So, I mean, you do obviously care about the pips, but the colors become so important as you play the game, um, which is just kind of neat. So uh, excellent production value on this game. Like, just very cool. Um, really good game. And I, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, man, I want to play that one more and teach that to more people around here. So great pick, Jason, for your um, number one game of all time and all of life uh, last year. Um, your number one game of all time, Coimbra, my number two game of 2018. Jason, what's your number one game of last year? So my number one game of 2018 was Coimbra. Yeah, who would have thought? That's some yeah. good deductive reasoning you could use there, kids. So it shouldn't be any, yeah, it shouldn't be any surprise. It was my number one game of my top 100. So if I didn't put it on the top one of 2018, that seems a little off. But yeah, I everything you said about this game, I totally agree. I don't necessarily it doesn't bother me as much the amping up and then it just being over. I don't I don't really care. That doesn't affect me, but that ramping up and the stopping is almost a compliment because it's like this game is so good and it goes so fast that you feel like, wow, that's it? Man, I want to play more, you know? And I remember the first time I played this game, I was thoroughly convinced I played it wrong because I thought for sure that I only played for like 15 to 20 minutes. I was like, man, we only played half this game. Like we're missing some rounds in there or something. And we actually played for about 45 minutes. So it flew by and it's a lot quicker than I thought it was going to be in my head. So this is a game that like it's – I think – I think uh um, again, our, our wise uncle Jeremy over there, I think I'm like, seriously, third shout out to Jeremy. He, he had a quote about like a different game. He's like, if a game seems shorter than it is in actuality, it's a good sign. And this game definitely does that for me. Like, I always feel like, man, that's over already. Yeah. I think the thing that I, that I really enjoy is those fake dice. Those like dice you sit on the locations that yeah. like clog it up Yeah, like, and two player that really adds some brain burner. like, 
decisions yeah. in that card drafting because you're thinking, okay, if I put this number here, the computer guy, the computer and player is going to take this good card that I really want. Right. So I either need to take a higher number or I need to go somewhere else. So yeah, like that seriously is the longest part of the game in a two player game because there's more of those dice out there, which is I really enjoy. Well, beyond that, too, you sometimes can even twist that, though, like just to show you how many layers there are in this simple game, but so many layers. It's not a complicated game. I mean, really, you figure out what the symbols mean, and the game's really not complicated at all. But that thing you just said about the computer will burn that card, sometimes you're like, it will burn that card, and that sucks because that's a really good card. But I'm looking at what my opponent's doing over there, and they really need this card, and I'm just going to get it burnt. So you can always just think of ways to do that, too. So Yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, it's a great game. It's a masterpiece. And I, I would say it's not going to take over my number one as being a game that I like more than that. But this game and my number one game, which I haven't mentioned yet. Oh, boy, aren't you guys just sweaty with anticipation? Um, are definitely games that are going to hang around in my top 20 for a while, I think. Yeah, before you mention your number one, let me talk about my one negative I have of Coimbra. For some reason, they put two cards in this game that negatively affect all other players when you take them. And that makes me so mad. Like, I hate stuff like that in Euro games for no purpose at all. Like, it's different if the game is slapping me around. But if someone else can buy a card that does nothing for them except screw me over, I hate that. So the fact that this game that really has no player interaction (laughs) in that way does that makes me so mad. And I hate those two cards. And if it didn't mess up the game, I would rip them up. You could rip them up, probably. Yeah, but then you'd have two fewer cards. Just make them like make them make them like get your get your very good Mister Scent smellable markers out and <laughs> write on the front of them um, like this card just makes you go up one of the tracks one time now and that's cool you don't hurt anybody <laughs> yeah or I guess you could replace them with some of those level one cards if you're only playing with less than four people yeah yeah you could uh, let us know how that works out for you Jason when you homebrew that because um, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not going to do it either. I usually just let those cards get trashed by the the fake player. Oh, boy. My number one game, Jason. Martin Wallace bringing, bringing the thunder in 2018. London. Number one game. Nice. Oh, Jason. It's, it's such a good game. It's flying up those BGG charts. Everybody out there who said, I was going to say, everyone out there who said, not London. Everyone out there who said, Brass <laughs> Birmingham, you feel foolish because my number one game of last year is Australia. Um, and it's mostly because I didn't play Brass Birmingham like last year. I got it for Christmas. So um, if it would definitely go on the list if I had gotten it last year. But Australia is awesome. It's a co-op kind of fighting Cthulhu using... <laughs> Martin Wallace's train system to go fight Cthulhu. <laughs> and it sounds real dumb, but it's man, is it a, It's good. a weird theme for sure. <laughs> it is. Um, you're building these infrastructures to go bring tanks and armies and stuff to go fight these baddies. Basically, the idea is that a study in Emerald is the first game, and that was successful. They killed all the bad Cthulhu beasties in Europe. But the Cthulhu beasties took off and went to Australia. So now we've got to go help the people in Australia fight the Cthulhu beasties too. So um, it's got this really cool thing of you can do whatever action you want to do on your player board, but it's going to cost you because you put these little cubes on there and you have to keep like, it gets more and more expensive to go to different places until you clear your card and give up a turn. And I think that mechanic's just so cool. And I don't really know that mechanic from a lot of other games. Um, just that you can do it, but it's going to keep costing more and more and more. And you're going to get diminishing returns on it until you finally take a turn to just wipe your card. And it makes you have to like, it's almost like that balancing thing that happens in a bigger game, but it happens on your personal player board. And it's like, Oh man, I really need to do this action with this minecart or something, but I've already got like all these cubes there and I need to maybe think about not skipping my turn yet because I could really stand to do this in the next turn, couple turns. So I'm going to go ahead and put that there. Um, so anyway, uh, the London reprint, was that 2018? <laughs> no, I'm just screwing around on the outline. <laughs> if it was 2018, dude, that should have been on there because that really is a different game. I mean, honestly, it's, it's very, know. very close to London, like the original one. Let's find the one out. That, the one that looks like, um, you got a copy of MS Paint and made a board game out of it, the one that you own. Yeah, you don't um, need to say the one. It's the only one. I mean, come on. Yeah. Well, okay, fine. And then the second edition, which has beautiful art and beautiful cards in it. Um, if that's a 28 version, 2018 version, I'm going to say that's like a different no, enough game. 2017. 
Oh, uh, well, yeah, that's why I didn't want to, didn't make it on my list, Jason. I knew that. Yeah. I didn't know that at all. Um, but I, I mean, I don't think I'm crazy to say that those games are different enough that I think they should be almost classified as different games. Yeah, I agree. I do agree. Because the way how the cities and stuff work are just different, you know? Yep. So anyway, um, Jason, what would have made your list that didn't make your list? Oh, man, I don't know. Like, I'm awful at knowing what year games come out. Yeah. Uh, Rising Sun, nope. Root, I've got it. It's on the shame shelf, basically. Um, nope. Haven't really played a full game of that yet. Not interested. Keyforge, I like, but I don't know. Nah. Teotihuacan, Jason. Uh, I wish. Nope, I didn't like it. Architects. Ooh, I did like that. That that could be a contender. That was a good one. Yeah. Uh, have, you, have you played that yet? No, it's on my shelf, and I watched Rado play it, and it looks awesome, and I can't understand why you don't love it. No, Architects? Oh, no, not Architects. I thought you were talking to Oh, no, uh, I, no I like I Architects. I haven't played Architects. I'm not, I haven't played Raiders either, man. I'm like, I'm. which one do I get, you know? I, I so, like Raiders a lot, too. Do you? Which one's better? Uh, Architects is probably better, but I enjoy Raiders still, though. Which one's better if I own Champions of Midgard already? Architects. Yeah. I mean, they're not really the same game, but I mean, like, I know people compare them. Yeah. Um, this is a long outtake for this week, Jason. Uh, Quacks of Quedlinburg. Ooh, yeah. That would totally be in my top 10. Gugong. Ooh. Not as long. After I played it at two, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, Gugong is really good, man. I like, it's just don't play it with two players or else you'll be kicking your own butt. Yeah. It's uh, awful. CO2 Second Chance. I think that one might have made it my top 10. Yeah, I I only have the original, so I don't know the difference. I mean, I know the differences, but... Yeah, it doesn't count. Newton. Ooh, oh yeah, for Newton. Newton's good. So here's the thing. This is going to be a good wrap-up here for us. I've decided that when we do this list, we should go from Essen to Essen. Because Essen releases don't make it to us in time to make out on our best-of-the-year list. So I think we go back and we include everything that came out from Essen on... Until this Essen. And then next year we do from Essen to Essen as well. I think it just makes sense. So that's my proposal. Um, Jason, you chew on that. We're gonna we're gonna talk about that next week on the show and see what you think. And maybe leave us a comment and tell us what you think. Um, finally, I'm gonna say this, Jason. I have a proposal too. We're on episode eighty four right now. Yes. My pro- my proposal is this. We're gonna do a two part whether we do Essen to Essen or or just the calendar year at some point in there. I don't know when that's going to be exactly. But long story short, I want to end with our top 10 games of all time being on episode 100. Is that possible? I don't, I don't know if it is or not. We'll see. We just have to start on episode 90. We can do yeah, it. Yeah, but episode 90, where's that going to land at? Is that going to land during Essen? I don't know. It's going to be weird. So we'll have to figure uh, yeah. that out. But that, that would be kind of cool, I think, to have episode 100 be our top 10 games. So that's something to think about. That will be cool. That would be like professional podcast stuff right there. That would be, man. Um, and then if we gave away a copy of review games that we were sent that we don't like, and you pay the postage. <laughs> I mean, that are awesome that we just don't have room on our shelves for. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, no, no. And you pay the postage. Um, <laughs> we're amateurs, man. We're an amateur podcast. I think we do about as good as any amateur podcast. Thank you for your support. Like, seriously. Um, one other thing, and I'm going to mention this at the two-hour mark of the show. I'm pretty sure we're at two hours right now. Um, Jason started blogging more. Um, so if you haven't gone to our website to see those blogs, do that. I'm going to go ahead and on the air keep myself accountable here and say that I will do a blog a month. Um, so we have a written blog over on our website. I don't think people like really read written stuff as much anymore. But there's there's just ways that we can do a write. Like I think just certain certain content lends itself better to the written word when you want to eloquently say something and not just spout off you know like this podcast is all the time i think it works better (laughs) so maybe we should do written version of our podcast yeah read a script i don't know (laughs) today Uh, on the board came mechanics seven minute podcast (laughs) (laughs) that's funny it'd probably be the one episode that we get like 500 listens on oh my gosh and we feel terrible all right well, anyway, um, yeah, things are getting bigger. Things are getting better. Thank you guys for supporting an amateur crappy podcast like ours um, and YouTube channel and everything. Um, but anyway, I guess, do you have anything else, Jason? No, I'm good. I'm talked out. Yeah. I think you were talked out about 20 minutes ago, honestly. All right. Uh, Jason, if you end up having the black lung and can't do this anymore, um, 
Who? I mean, who's he going to co-host with me? I mean, maybe Quinn's from Shut Up and Sit Down. I think he's been asking to do the show for a while. Yeah, I had to actually turn him away because he just wouldn't stop emailing. Yeah, it's a little weird. I mean, like, we're like, dude, you're in London or wherever you're at. Like, the time's different. Like, quit calling. <laughs> it's like midnight here. Yeah, I mean. I don't know why up- he's getting up at 3 a.m. to call us, but like. <laughs> they get all their ideas from us anyway, so it's all right. I, yeah, something like that. I don't know. I don't think that's true, but maybe it is. I don't know. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, anyway, uh, I've been Joel. And I'm Jason. Keep keep gaming, even though we don't have a podcast. Now that we sparked up a, another another uh, yet another rivalry, we can't back up. <laughs> That's what we do here. That's what we do. One of these days, we're gonna have like Tom Vassell, the brothers Murph, and the shut up and sit down guys <laughs> like push us into a dark alley and just rough us up. <laughs> That's probably true. We can yeah. hold our own. Yeah, it's all right. I'll the only one think- I'm worried about is Sam Healy, man. That dude, you know he's nice, but like, <laughs> he's he's probably going to bite us and stuff. Like, seriously, he's, he probably gets nasty. He's a real nasty man when it comes to getting in the, into, the, into the octagon, you know? Yeah, I can see that. Oh, man. We could, probably, we could probably pay for our YouTube channel for like years. Sam versus Joel in the octagon pay-per-view event. Let's make it happen, folks. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Super happy that I'm not volunteering dad this week. Alright, I've been Joel Keep Gaming. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming. Oh, go ahead, Jason. Oh, I was gonna say I found a recall well, that's nice. That is good. <laughs> There's hope for this show yet. And I think we've got our outtake. <laughs>